0: How you living? How you doing? How you feeling? My name is Mac Mori, and that is right. This is the Behind the Box Score Podcast, episode eight. Just got done with watching week seven. Still sounds weird every time. Week seven of the NFL. That's right. We're like getting close to the halfway point. We are already past. You know, a couple weeks ago was the first week of bye weeks, and trade deadlines coming up in like six, seven days. We're recording this on Tuesday, October twenty fourth, and that trade deadline. October 31st. And I say we're recording this because it's not just me. I'm joined uh, by my friend, colleague, and lovely partner in crime here on the pod, week in, week out, Alex Comas, getting ready to break down so much stuff. First off, Alex, how are you, bro? You and I both suffered a a, a tough loss on Saturday at being UT Vols alumni. That wasn't fun.
1: No, Mac, but you know, I I think we're used to it at this point with how much (laughs) disappointment We encountered during our four years at Tennessee, so can't can't say it went on its, on its unexpected in terms of the loss. No, I think it just the matter of it, yes. to have so much hope uh, through a first half of play where they played incredible and then the second half to be just such a drastic difference was what really put the dagger in the heart for us. Yeah,
0: man. Rocky flop did not show up when it kind of didn't get six uh when you know getting three instead of six a lot of the time and and some bad play calls there in the second half just yep not fun but you're right you've seen it time and time again last year was the exception and obviously wish we could have relished um, in celebration with another cigar this year but it's the life of sports right we always got next year that's what it is as a vols fan it's always next year uh this is uh, not a pod where we're gonna do college we're gonna break down some NFL obviously. Um, here in the future, I'm going to have a couple of uh, balls reporters and guys that I know they're on the beat on here as we get closer to bowl games and playoff contention and just talking what a weird season it has been in college football because it has. There's lots of storylines there and uh, we'll get to those uh, here at the Behind the Box Score Podcast, but mainly as you guys know, as you regular listeners know, this is this is some NFL content. Um, so we're going to cover a few things. Uh, one, we're going to cover Monday Night Football because wow, Kirk Cousins, the primetime stud, Kirk Cousins. Uh, finally actually did show up in uh, prime time. We're going to do a little segment. Three is the magic number where we'll cover three of the other NFL games that happened. We'll do some power rankings. First time on the pod that we've done power rankings. Um, We'll each do our top 10. And then of course we will end with some cross-offs crossing off teams from playoff contention. So we've got a stacked pod uh, here for episode eight, covering week seven of the NFL. Let's get started, bro. Let's start with that Monday night football game uh, last week. I believe two weeks ago, we really started Brocktober. We started, you know, analyzing this. I was actually on my own for that episode, just talking about Brock. How he? I didn't think he was, you know, worth the uh, elite opinions that he was a part of, and rather maybe outside of that uh, group. And obviously, that opinion looks way better now. Following that week, he's lost now two games in a row. The most recent, yesterday. Last night, I should say, against the Minnesota Vikings. And first off, Alex, I'll just start with you. I mean, two losses in a row for a 49ers team that we were, you know, talking about possibly going 20-0. and Or lots of people were. I don't know about if it was ever uttered on this pod. But no doubt it was a discussion amongst NFL fans. Two losses in a row. 49ers fall to 0-36 under Kyle Shanahan when trailing by 8-plus points in the fourth quarter in the regular season or playoffs. Niners have lost all 37 straight in all that scenario. Only Panthers have a longer streak at 45 straight. What do you think, man?
1: Yeah, I mean, for the team that that was just riding high into last week, into that Browns matchup, having the longest winning streak across the NFL over the— you know spanning from last season going to this season winning 15 straight games and now you drop two in a row um and you know i think when we looked at the browns game last week we could say okay it's understandable like you're not you're not going to have a perfect season you're going to drop some games that you know in against a browns team that's played tough this year um you know against everyone we said you know it's going to happen it's fine wasn't the best game they had a ton of injuries and we just kind of chalked it up as that but this one was just surprising. Uh, against a Vikings team that has, you know, really struggled this year. Um, and especially a Vikings defense that has struggled this year. And for them to come out and play as well as they did defensively against a 49ers offense that seemed like a juggernaut through five, through six weeks in the season or I'm sorry, five weeks through the season looked almost unstoppable. Um, and you really can't chalk it up too much to injuries. They, yes, they were missing Trent Williams, but you still had McCaffrey playing out there. You were missing De- Debo, but is Debo that big of a loss for their, yeah. their receiving cord? Yeah. I I don't think so. But I think the biggest part for me, Mac, is last week we talked about you know how much of that loss to the Browns was on Brock. And I chalked it up as not really much because – the conditions were tough. There were injuries, as well as the fact that he did get them into field goal range to where they could have tied the game to go to overtime. This week, there there is a there is good blame to be dealt at the hands of Brock Purdy because that fourth quarter, when he needed to string some drives together to put points on the board as they're trailing, just two brutal picks. Yeah. um, to throw and. And it, it, the, the fault completely lays on him. It wasn't an unlucky tip. It wasn't a, a missed route by a wide receiver. I mean, he just misplaced those balls and threw it right into um, the Viking safety's hands. So, I mean, it this week he can't, he can't escape the fault um, that we lie on him. But I think at the end of the day, too, he's, he's still young. Um, so he, he's not going to be perfect all the time. And especially in Shanahan's system, all, all he needs his quarterbacks to do is manage the ball. And Brock, unfortunately, in the crucial moments this week, failed to do that.
0: And you're right. Brock Purdy's not going to be perfect all the time. But I think the main factor here is that he's been around perfection all the time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as those pieces start to break down a little bit, how does he respond? Now, I agree. Last week, we 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 talked about it. Wouldn't chalk that loss up to him. Obviously, they gave Moody a 41-yard field goal chance. Uh, he missed it. Moody misses a PAT and a field goal last night. So that's starting to become a storyline for this Niners team, a rookie kicker in Jake Moody that you need to count on. I mean, talk about special teams in the playoffs, how imperative it is. They're going to need him to start stepping up. Uh, You look at Brock Purdy and you talk about those two interceptions, rough picks, rough decision-making. It it wasn't some sort of, you know, tipped pass or, oh, I saw what he was. It it, it was rough. You know, some of the the worst plays we've seen in what has been an, an extremely, a short and successful start to a career for Purdy Uh, and first 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy to throw two interceptions in the fourth quarter when down by a score since Colin Kaepernick in 2013 NFC title game versus Seahawks. That's how long this stretch has been. That's, you know, four years before Shanahan even got there that this team has just kind of been used to just, some really good play at quarterback. Obviously, there were some years with Nick Mullins and a couple of C.J. Bathard and a couple other guys where they just weren't in the position where they're even down by a score in the fourth quarter. Uh, but still, you know, the last time it happened in a regular season game, two picks down the fourth quarter by a score, Alex Smith in 2009 versus the Titans. It It's insanity, the kind of perfection that they've gotten used to at the quarterback position. But I think one thing I take away from this is this is a Vikings defense that you mentioned it hasn't been great they blitz on over half of, over 50 of, percent of plays um, against opposing offenses and Brock Purdy struggled near the end of the game against the blitz now early on I think it was nine for 10 10 for 11 through like you know two and a half three quarters of the game just torching it but when it broke down when they needed to score and most importantly when the defense knew they needed to pass the ball it broke down. And and that's what I'm thinking about future-wise for the 49ers. When they're in a position against the Philadelphia Eagles in an NFC championship game, down by eight points in the fourth quarter, and they know they need to pass the ball and air it out across the field. Are, is he going to be ready for that uh, against an Eagles defense? He wasn't against the Vikings last night, and there's a lot of time to correct a lot of those things. And you mentioned – uh, the Trent Williams injury and Debo Samuel, hopefully those guys are back. But those uh, – w- Trent Williams, at least, was a guy that we talked about who, who may not be there. I mean, he's an old left tackle. I mean, it's he, just hard to count on guys like that. Um, and in a guy of his echelon, they are going to need uh, or at least find a, a suitable replacement. So Kirk Cousins, go to the other side here. On the other quarterback side, Kirk Cousins, man. I mean, wow, what a game. Best primetime game I've ever seen him play. Is that even a
1: discussion? Yeah, 100%. I, I agree with that. That That's the best I've ever seen him play. And and honestly, too, I, I felt bad because I found myself questioning whether I should be giving Kirk Cousins credit or I should be concerned about this 49ers secondary because they were getting lit up. Destroyed. And, and it's Jordan Addison – unbelievable game oh i mean man. he 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 really <laughs> if if you're sitting there as a los angeles chargers fan yep and you picked Quentin johnson over yep. jordan addison oh my god did you miss on that
0: you missed you missed hard it, not only stylistically was it a miss just yeah you're seeing production you're just seeing any sort of production Quentin Johnston with no Mike Williams, and we'll get to that game later against the Chiefs. Zero targets, zero receptions this week. Meanwhile, Zay Flowers blowing it up. Crazy. What? And that's oh, without no, no, Justin Mackie.
1: Jefferson. No Justin Jefferson. Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnson did have one reception. I remember vividly oh. him getting one first down. I'm so sorry. Along I'm the sideline, right. yep. You are correct. I think it was two targets,
0: one reception. And, it, yeah, he had a little perfect throw by Herbert. One of the few good throws Herbert made that game. I was at the game uh, in Arrowhead, and, yeah, that that play I mean if he didn't catch that I don't think he would have played the rest of the game because that's how good the throw is I mean Johnston turns around and it just kind of falls into his chest perfectly but you're right he did have that one catch my mistake
1: Yeah, but nice but nice, um, job, I mean, nice job nice <laughs> job <laughs> but uh, I, like still I, I'm I honestly I found myself uh, a ton of credit needs to go to to Kirk cousins because ever since Kevin O'Connor came in to the the Vikings Kirk Cousins has had a renaissance, right? He he's fit, he's learned that system and he's played as be, as good as we've seen Kirk Cousins play since early in his Washington days, and if if not better than that. So, and especially with the luxury of options that he has to throw to, you know, obviously you got Justin Jefferson hurt right now, but the fact that they still have they were smart in getting Jordan Addison in the draft this year. K.J. Ottersborn is not a bad wide receiver three, wide receiver two to have um, on your team. T.J. Hawkinson was a hell of a pickup for them last season. He has proved every bit as of his value to that offense. I mean, he was torching um, the 49ers down the middle of the field all game. And their offensive line, you know, my only concern with that offense is their lack of rushing ability. Alexander yeah. Madison has not cut it this year. You go and pick up Cam Akers. I mean, Cam Akers is being Cam Akers. So they still haven't been able to put together in terms of building a type any type of run game, even though they have one of the best offensive line units in the league. Um, and especially you have arguably, you know, the second a top five uh left tackle in the league, and Christian Dereshaw, who absolutely muted Nick Bosa on Monday night. Nick Bosa, I think, had one pressure on Kirk Cousins all game um, last night. So it's great for them in terms of their passing offense, but they're very much one-dimensional in terms of that's all they can do is throw the ball because they just can't run the ball at an efficient rate.
0: 18 carries between Alexander Madison and Cam Akers, 70 yards, so not a decent yards per carry, but you're right. You watch that eye test, and it's – it's not good. that They can't rely on the run at all. That is going to be an issue for them. But you look at the Vikings and what they've been able to do these last four weeks. Three wins and a competitive loss against the Kansas City Chiefs, 27-20. They beat the Panthers, the Bears. Uh, not much to talk about. They took care of both those games, though, away. And then came back home and were able to take down one of the top teams in the NFL, San Francisco 49ers. Their next three games, Packers, Falcons, Saints, both Green Bay and Atlanta, they'll be away. And all three winnable, all all three, three very winnable. winnable. And then after that, you look at their next three games, Broncos, Bears, Raiders.
1: That division's not over. We'll touch on NFC and Lions later, which especially after the Lions of this week, they, they should be worried about the Vikings, especially coming off a huge win like that against the 49ers, the type of momentum that builds for your team. And you talk about right there, their future schedule. The Vikings, you know, they may have started off the season bad. But they're set up really good right now to go on a real good run um, and put themselves at the top of that division because the Lions look like they're on the other, the flip side of it. But we'll get into that later.
0: No, and yeah, you, you mentioned them starting bad. Yeah, they did. But you look at the games, a 2017 loss to the Bucs, a 34-28 loss to the Eagles, a 28-24 loss to the Chargers. I mean, one possession games, you know, obviously the opposite of what last year was for those Vikings. But still, they've been in every single game and they've been extremely competitive. They're, they're the second best team in that division. I don't think that's an argument right now. And they have a chance to be uh, the first. You mentioned Nick Bosa. And you know what? That's that's also something that I'm going to be watching on that defense. Talk about being muted right now. Uh, 20 combined tackles on the season, two and a half sacks. I mean, these are these are amateur numbers from a all-pro stud being paid as one of the top guys at his position because he has been two and a half sacks right now. Uh, One of my favorite players on the chiefs, Mike Dana, who's a solid role player and and is growing even into more than that uh, has better stats right now in the season, making a fraction of of the salary as Nick Bosa. So something to watch there for, for the 49ers who's been, you know, uttered as uh, the best team in football the last two weeks. They have not shown it. Uh, Worry meter real quick. I'm not I'm not worried yet. I, I yeah. put it at a out okay. of
1: three. Yeah, that's, I, that's fine. I put it at
0: a three. Yeah, that's fine. No, I think that's fine. I think uh secondary, like you mentioned, was something to watch and obviously we we've we talked incessantly now about this Brock Purdy thing and we know what we need to see from him. That playmaking ability, that next level, step up. They know that you're gonna pass. Can you still get it done? Yeah, we'll see. Uh yeah, you're right. About a three is probably a good number. All right. Speaking of three, it is the magic number. Let's talk about these three games. Let's start with the AFC matchup. We're going to talk Chiefs-Chargers, Eagles-Dolphins, and then Lions-Ravens. So let's start with the AFC West. I was at this game. Me and my brother picked a good game to go to, man. Perfect weather. Arrowhead (laughs) Stadium. Taylor Swift across in in the box. Doing handshakes with Brittany Mahomes. Touchdowns being scored. Travis Kelsey uh, showing why... He's the GOAT. It had it all, Alex. Justin Herbert not showing up. A choke by the Chargers. Uh, It was great. I had a great time. Did you have as much fun watching it on the TV as I did? Because it was – as I did when I was there. I mean, because it was fun. Yeah.
1: I I loved the first half. (laughs) I thought the first half was just – Fair. I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a back-and-forth, you know, high-scoring game. And then the second half just turned into a one-sided – offensive show and just the Chiefs proving why they will always dominate the Chargers. I mean that that's that's what it felt like for me really. Uh I like that that's that's what's disappointing about this Chargers team is it seems like every week they put in a good half whether it be the first half or the second half and you think how is this team Why are they always a middling five hundred team every single time? Like with as much talent as they have on the offensive side of the ball, you know, defensively they are not a terrible defensive unit, even though they seemingly got torn to shreds uh, this (laughs) on Sunday by Patrick Mahomes. But I think that's kind of a common theme in the NFL uh, when you do play the Chiefs' offense. But to see them go from playing defending so well against the Cowboys. Um, you know, and, and holding the Cowboys in check for the most part. Yes, did so they end up losing that game? Yeah, and, and you could blame that on the offense uh, ineptitude in, in, in that game. But going to this Chiefs game, they just, it, it, it seemingly, they had no answers. There were so many 20 plus yard completions um, that Mahomes had, whether it be to Rasheed Rice. Your boy, Marquez Valdez Scantling, finally answered the call.
0: <laughs> Come on. Come on, Marquez. I I, I, I I, knew he knew I was at the game. He felt my presence. He said, okay, I got I to gotta do this. And wow, what a game. A few receptions, 80 yards, I think, 80-something yards, a touchdown. He was all over the place. And, and where Sean and I were sitting it was kind of some sort of all-22 type view. I was getting to see the routes develop. He was getting open. He was beating men. He was doing what he needed to do. I was really excited. I was really excited. And, yeah, my guy I've been preaching, Rasheed Rice, Alex, you've seen a few weeks of him now. What do you think of this rook? I mean, this is this I, is I, developing into something
1: really good, man. Really good. I, I really like him, Mac. Like he's he's what Sky Moore was hyped up to be after yes. the after the Chiefs took him last year.
0: It's true. And he and he's 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 faster, he's stronger, he's bigger, which isn't saying much Sky Moore's pretty small. Um but yeah, Rasheed Rice is Again, I've compared him to like a Sammy Watkins type. I think he, I think that's what he is. Except, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, actually is on the football field for you know fifteen to seventeen games a season, and not you know three to five games a season. I am starting and, to and really.
1: And one, one more thing too, Travis yes. Kelsey had his Jordan Poole game. <laughs> I guess that's the way it's going to be. Every that's time it. Taylor Swift's in attendance, he's just going to ball out. <laughs>
0: I I, I, I was just looking for the stat as you were talking and I I could not find it. I don't know where it was, but it's just the top 10 tight ends and yards. And you've got, you know, Travis over 500. He's 130 yards, 140 yards ahead of who's ever number second or number two right now. It's Mark Andrews, like four or five. But the difference between number two and number 10 is closer than the difference between Travis and whoever's at number two. And that's with him missing week one. Like, Unbelievable production from this guy, man. I I mean, and that's with, you know, obviously the opening injury at the beginning of the season and then, you know, uh, the knee injury just a couple of weeks ago, kind of not playing 100%. And, uh, hey, hello, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, are you there? Number 87's torched you now for a decade. He, he's really good. You might want to just cover him a little
1: bit. He should probably be in the game plan. Unbelievable. I mean, Mac when they when when they drop back to zone coverage yeah. it seemingly every single time Travis Travis Kelsey was wide open in the middle of the field four or five yards past the first down marker just wide open Patrick Holmes, easy first down like the easy zone they tried zone coverage on him man coverage doesn't really help either cuz it's hard for linebackers to match up against him cuz he's so athletic and quick and and just too, i mean his his IQ to get open and especially too when Mahomes gets out and scrambles to him to be able to read that and find the openings of the defense to where Mahomes could hit him. I mean that that tandem is unbelievable, um, and it's it, it makes up for when you have a very questionable wide receiver core of a bunch of guys who are unproven um, and and just real question marks. You know, we talked about last week MVS whether he should be in the league or not anymore. <laughs> when you're when you're having those type of guys on the outside, and it doesn't matter because you have the best tight end in football by a mile, and he's just going to beat defenses on his own, and there's no way they can stop him.
0: One of the best duos in, of all time. Uh, you know, I'd have to look into it deeper if you want to say the best, but I, I, I gotta believe that we're approaching that territory. And you mentioned that wide receiving core unproven as it may be, they are gaining that acceptance and they're gaining those reps. And we're seeing guys like Rasheed Rice start to figure it out and MVS get back to what we know he he has done at least, uh, at times in the past. And you add a guy who's familiar with the offense and can break the top off and McCall Hardman, he makes an immediate impact on special teams in that punt return, uh, What a game. This Chiefs offense, number five in points, number two in passing yards, number two in passing touchdowns, number four in passer rating, number two in QBR. Um, If they can clean up the turnovers right now, I believe they're number seven in turnovers, just some wonky picks. Mahomes is good for a pick a game right now. It seems that once that changes, which it will, be frightened, be absolutely frightened. Uh, from Aaron Schatz with FTN Network, the Chiefs are the first team to be top five in all three phases. This is not just the offense anymore, folks. Uh, to first to- first team to be top five in all three phases. Sorry, let me finish. As of week seven, since the 1999 Rams, number four in offense, number five defense, number two right now in special teams. Those other teams that did this, that accomplished these in week seven since week uh, 1999, um, in the first seven weeks, the 1984 Redskins, the 85 Bears, The 90 Giants, the 91 Redskins, and the 1996 Packers. And if you're a football aficionado, a historian, one thing that'll click in your brain with all those teams in those years is they all hosted the Lombardi Trophy. That's what they did that year. Um, Those teams all won the Super Bowl. Um, So the Chiefs are in some good company right now, and I just think it's just now getting going. And usually at this point in the season, uh, these teams are worrying about their division. That's done now. Uh, I, I mean can I can I call that? Is the AFC West done?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean the Chargers are you kidding me Mac? Every week is a struggle <laughs> for them. They're yeah. not they're not going to pick up ground. They can't even beat the Chiefs. They're not they're not winning the division. The Raiders we I mean I've already crossed them off and the Broncos you've already crossed off. So Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I may have off. It must off be nice too. to play in
1: a weak division like that.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, buddy. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't get to pick it, but, uh, six and one are the chiefs. And then, yeah, you know, three, uh, three and four, the Raiders, two and four chargers, two and five Broncos. So a pretty hefty lead. They're already developing their, um, midway through the season, going over to the number two game in this segment on three is the magic number Eagles, Dolphins Sunday night football. This was chalked up to be the best game of the year. You've got the pound, uh, physicality, uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles and, uh, the run them up run run-laps-around-you speedsters over there in the Miami Dolphins. And I've heard people talk about this game. I've seen discourse online about this game. And I guess I have a different opinion than a lot of people right now. But, and Alex, you can tell me if you disagree. I thought the Eagles controlled that game. I thought they played much better than the Dolphins that game. And I thought this score easily could have been 38-17. to 17, And you get rid of, you know, a, a, a turnover into a touchdown. It's 31-10, 31-13, something of those sorts, maybe 38-10, 38-13. Um, I don't think the score indicates this game at all. I thought Philly, again, just controlled this game and beat them down. And now we've seen the Dolphins play two good teams, uh, it, or at least two what we thought are good teams. Well, you know, The Bills are weird right now, but the Bills and the Eagles and have gotten taken down, have gotten
1: completely owned almost exposed as well exactly well i mean what's going on the, the the offense just in these games against teams that we know or we consider them to have you know elite defenses or playoff level defenses they've gotten exposed this this offense isn't as brilliant and explosive and best offense of all time that you know it's hyped up to be when they play these lower you know these these middling teams or or terrible teams like you know, Broncos defense and you put up 70 points, it it just seems as though that it's it's a little bit overhyped. I, I mean let's be honest, when you go into these huge games and these primetime games and you're playing these opponents, the fact that you're coming into it and you're getting stifled, um it it, it makes you question whether what we've been seeing is all kind of an illusion. You know, it's it's easy to do that against bad teams, but you know, at the end of the day, it counts whether you can do it in the playoffs or not. And the Dolphins haven't proved to us that they're able to do so. Um, also too on the defensive side of the ball, I, you know, I think a lot of people going into this this season said the Dolphins' defense is is a lot more beefed up. It's it's a lot better than it's supposed to be improved from what it was last year, and yet against the Bills team and against the Eagles team. They have not been able to slow those guys down. Um, and, you know, Jalen Ramsey is still out, yes. But you still have a front seven that that's got garnered a lot of attention. You have a Christian Wilkins. You have Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, you know, Duke Riley. Like, you have a bunch of guys on the front seven. You know, Andrew Van, Van Ginkle had a great game against the Patriots earlier in the season. Like, these guys on the front seven have been talked about, about how, you know, they've been great for the Dolphins and, and when it comes to these big matchups against the Eagles and, and Bills, they have not been able to slow them down. And, and so I it makes me really qu- question this team because I went into this year, I was one of those people that thought the Dolphins are going to turn the corner this year Same. and take the AFC East. Same. And the way in which they've choked in these, these big matchups, these primetime matchups against playoff caliber teams, it, it's making me second guess it a lot.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I had them as a Super Bowl type contender. I thought they attained that talent. I still think they do. I think they've got a lot of things to work on, obviously. And and one of those is being able to to stand games, to keep your head up, to to adjust, for Tua to be able to be under pressure and still find that open man, to extend a play. Uh, to get a running game going. No running game against the Buffalo Bills. No running game against the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, when you think about the Dolphins, when you think about any high-scoring offense, it's so easy to think about those, you know, long passes and, and Tyreek running past a double team or whatever it may be. But, man, Raheem Mostert, Devon Achan, even Wilson when he's gotten the opportunities, Ahmed, who we've talked about, every running back that's played for them has produced at a, you know, high rate and has gotten uh, – a you know, over four yards a pop easily. And that wasn't the case against either of the, you know, the stout defenses that they've played this season. Um, I'm I'm starting to also be a little skeptical of this team, uh, but I would like to say, to mention the injuries a little bit here, center to left tackle completely out that game pretty much. I mean, all got injured somewhere in the midst of that game. And you mentioned no Jalen Ramsey, which I don't really count as an injury considering they haven't had him. Yes, he's injured, but they have not had him. Um, uh, but they mm-hmm. were without and Howard, their other top corner. So if you want to say they're missing both their top corners, that is the case. So I think there's room for this defense to gain that ceiling back in the offensive line uh, to uh, get back to where they've been this year. But I agree, Alex. I think we've got to see something change with this, with this Dolphins team. I think a lot of people started to crown them really early on. And I, I want to see it. I want to see that against good teams. Next week, they play the Patriots at home. Let's see them destroy another not good team. Now, granted, the first time they went over to Foxborough in week two, they won by a touchdown, 24-17. It wasn't exactly a clinic that they put on. The next week, though, in Germany, uh, they play the Chiefs. So there's a game. There's a game that's a top-five defense right now, a top-five offense right now. That's an elite team that's owned the AFC now for the next few years. If you want to gain that respect, if you want to be thought of on that tier – that's the time to do it in a neutral field. Go run them up. Go do it. That's that's the opportunity because this – so far in the schedule, you're right, Alex. We haven't seen Miami do it.
1: And, and Mac, like, let's say – so that Chiefs matchup, if, if they lose that one as well, that's now 0-3 in games against teams that are on contenders. that – you know in that tier of, of Super Bowl contenders. Yep. Are we prepared to just chalk them off? Not
0: completely. or would you even do it now? No, I'm not doing it now. Definitely not. I we're a little too early on, and what we've the good things that we have seen from them, I think can be put in in against an elite team. I mean, even early on in that Bills game, it was a shootout for the first quarter. They put up 20 points, you know, so quickly, and then completely stalled. weren't able to, uh, you know, counter any of Sean McDermott's adjustments. So I I, I want to see them. Uh, against some other good teams, looking at the their last four games of the season here, Alex, Jets, Cowboys, Ravens, Bills, they end against some solid defenses, and even the Titans the week before that, obviously a, a different team, but still a defense. Prime time, uh, so yeah, half that team might be gone at that point. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I guess, uh, and actually that might be just the time the team that the, the Dolphins lost to, the Philadelphia Eagles. As Alex said, got Titans safety Kevin Byard, a fifth, a sixth-round pick, and Terrell Edmonds is what Tennessee got in that trade. And the Eagles get a stud safety. He's had, I think, 17 picks since he entered the league. He's 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 a monster, man. Kevin Byard can do it all. And Tennessee loses what is a valuable member in the locker room and just a part of the community. Uh, went to Middle Tennessee State University, was a stud there, drafted to the hometown team. So Tennessee loses uh, a big part of uh, Nashville in the community for that locker room team fans. But the Eagles gain an absolute monster on the football field when they already have quite a few of them on the defensive side, maybe not back deep in that secondary. And that's why they got fired. But this is, this is fun, Alex.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, not, not in the secondary in terms of their safeties. I mean, they still 80s. got Darius Slay and, and James Bradbury to throw yeah. on the corners. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. They just have this wealth of depth and talent on defense that is just ridiculous. And, and the fact, too, that, you know, I I don't know if the Titans shopped by it around to other teams. But I, I just don't understand how the Eagles are continually making these these <laughs> trades to get these these guys. And it's like no other team in the NFL is bothering
0: We've we've triggered the Giants fan and Alex. He's <laughs> just
1: kidding, so <laughs> mad. I I'm jealous. I'm <laughs> like, where's where is where's Joe where's Joe been? Joe Shane, where has he been? We could use Kevin Pyard? Wouldn't be bad to have. Put oh, him in the no. secondary with Xavier McKinney.
0: It's fun, but you guys need to maybe not use assets and, and money right now, but I understand it's uh, true, it, any, true, any fan, any good, fan good base. Good point there. Yeah. Yeah. know logic. It sucks. But any fan <laughs> of any team is like, why, why are we doing that? And it just is situational. Now, if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're even right now, maybe a Niners fan, seeing some holes in your team, where whether maybe you don't need a star, but depth pieces, anything that's, those are teams where maybe additions could mean a lot. A Buffalo Bills team. That's, you know, lost some pieces on the defensive side. Now, uh, in Matt Milano and uh, excuse uh, Tredavious me. White. Thank you, Tredavious White, both now out for the season. That's a team that's, uh, you know, in that contention, in that win-now sort of mode, maybe where it makes sense for them. Uh,
1: yeah, but- I mean, like the Niners, like look at the Niners, Niners getting sliced up by Minnesota last night. Like that's a team that would have been perfect for Kevin Byard to go get Kevin Byard. Um, you. You, like the Dolphins we were just talking about, another team that would have been perfect to go get Kevin Byer. That's that's what I don't understand. It seems like the Eagles are on the forefront and everyone else is just sitting back and just letting the Eagles make all these moves and just continue to improve their team and build their, their wealth of talent.
0: And, man, Howie Roseman, he's developed a little thing over there uh, with the Titans, you know, going over there and plucking A.J. Brown, from them and now separate GM that's been hired since John Robinson has gone and it departed ways, uh, Rand Carthon and he goes and gets one of their best players in Kevin Byard. Um, the Titans again I mentioned the a fifth, a sixth, and Terrell Edmonds uh, for this season and next year's draft. But looking at the cap here, they gain a little over a million this year. Next season, fourteen point one million dollars added uh, to their cap space, bringing the total to ninety nine point seven million. And that's according to over the cap. That's the second highest in the league next season for the Tennessee Titans. And this is exactly what I was talking about a few weeks ago, what I've been preaching here on this pod, Alex. It's time for the Titans to sell, acquire picks, uh, any asset that they have, uh, get rid of, and build for this future, be thinking about uh, you know, if, if Will Levis is the guy, uh, probably not Malik Willis maybe, but you know, whoever it may be trying to get an offensive line, trying to get some other defensive pieces. Now is the time to acquire those draft picks and they're starting to do that. And listen, trade deadlines on October 31st, Alex, I wouldn't be surprised if Tier Tartt, Harold Landry, I think you've got to look at, you know, DeAndre Hopkins And then, of course, Derrick Henry. I don't think Ryan Tannehill with the injury right now is going to be someone that anyone really wants, uh, even as a backup option. But those are all names to watch for, for the Titans to be selling here and acquiring some picks in this next year's draft. It's exciting. I think it's the right choice for the Tennessee Titans. And the Eagles are the uh, uh, immediate beneficiary, gaining a stud in Kevin Byard. You mentioned the corners. The safety was the big hole there. They lost Marcus Epps, a couple of other guys. Boom. Boom, the mayor of Murfreesboro, now over in Philly. And that's going to be crazy. That team just got stronger. And right now, Alex, honestly, it's insane. I want to get to talking more big picture about the NFC. But first, Lions-Ravens. Let's talk about this game real quick. Damn, what a beatdown. 38-6. Lamar Jackson, the defense, everything looked perfect. The special teams was clicking. I, man, this team's legit. This team's legit. If they cannot make mistakes and, and stop getting out of their own way, I don't know, other than the Chiefs, who's scarier than them in the AFC at their best?
1: Yeah. I, I, I Look, I going into the season, I was questionable on defense. Because the Ravens have had a good defense for a very long time. And they continually have built, you know, kind of depth there, and it's it's sort of continued to wane a little bit more and more as seasons gone on. However, last season they go and get Roquan Smith, and boy, what a mm. deal that was! Because Gosh. he has been a stud on that defense, beast, and they they put a beat down on on a Lions offense that have just been it's it's been hyped up you know, going into the season with how much young talent that they have. Now you go into this game without David Montgomery, who has been their bell cow back and, and performing well. Jameer Gibbs, finally, we we saw production out of Jameer Gibbs and they used used him properly, used the first round, you know, justified that first round value. We'll see how that goes going forward when Montgomery gets back. But they, Jared Goff, I, I've got some question marks, Matt. Because we we talked about like you know he had that long um, streak of no interceptions right he almost broke the record for the longest streak of of between his last pick right it, it uh, he broke it against Seattle Mac the the question mark has always been when he's got a clean when you know everyone has said when he's got a clean pocket he's effective he's efficient you know he is. He doesn't turn the ball over. He makes all the right decisions. But when you pressure him, that's when you start putting him in trouble. And that's when he's liable to make mistakes. And that's why the Lions have built that offensive line the way that they have to one, to a, a top five unit in the league to where they're running the ball down people's throat and they're keeping a clean pocket and making sure Jared Goff doesn't get hit. And what do the Ravens do best? They get after the quarterback. They blitz. They are after him. And they put the pressure on golf and there were just there were some throws, Mac, where it's just what what it was like that Jared Goff of old. It was the reason why the Rams got rid of him. Because they just felt that they could not contend for a Super Bowl with that as their quarterback. And and that's where for me it, it's it's hard to see whether you know, is it oh, was I completely wrong on the Ravens? Or was it more of a I overestimated the lions and just how talented they were coming out the gate.
0: I think it's underestimating the Ravens a little bit, honestly. And I think the lions, I mean, they got absolutely shellacked in the first quarter I mean, the game was over 15 minutes in absolutely over. Jared Goff was forced to throw 53 passes on 284 and a pick. The pick was pretty bad. And you're right. Jared Goff uh, was pretty bad. And I think, you know, Goff, is in this weird phase of he was underrated for a while. And then the season started, they were playing really well and he was overrated. And now this loss just happened and everyone was like, Oh, okay. There's Jared Goff. There's the guy we saw for three years with the Rams. And now it's kind of, I think we're finally getting that middle ground to where Goff's good. He's not great. He needs things around him to be, managed He needs a pocket that's gonna, you know, be open. He needs somewhere to. uh He needs a checkdown that he knows where he's gonna go to. He needs a, a defense that's gonna get a couple of stops. He needs to not be down fourteen early on in a game. He's a game manager. As long as the rest of the team can keep it within wraps and keep it within reach for Jared Goff, he's not gonna be one to lift a team up and get a team to come back anytime. He just never has been able to do that in his career. So I, I like Jared Goff. I don't think my thoughts have changed about him, but they aren't contenders for a lot of reasons. They're a couple years away from being able to be on that sort of level. And part of that is because of Jared Goff. Uh, he's he's not that guy. Um, and he, it showed. It showed. And Baltimore exposed them. I'm curious to now see if this is a pattern with the Detroit Lions, what happens here in the future with Detroit. Uh, looking at their schedule here, they've got the Raiders next, the Chargers, the Bears, and the Packers. So, the, those are all winnable games. Let's see if they can return to form like we saw them against their three previous games. You know, Clinic against the Bucks, 20 to 6, a solid win against the Panthers, 42 to 24. Weird defensively, maybe, but still they were able to put up points and win by three scores. And then you've got thirty-four twenty 34 20 win against the Packers, all convincing wins against, you know, solid to whatever sort of opponents. And you've got that kind of schedule these next four games. Raiders, Chargers, Bears, Packers. These are all like, eh, you know, whatever, to, to not even mm-hmm. good teams. So let's see. Let's see if they can return to form. But you look at the rest of their schedule, Alex. I mean, they've got the Vikings twice and the Cowboys. Those are the best teams they play. These are the best teams they play. That's it.
1: That's a, that's, that's a soft schedule.
0: It's a very soft schedule, man. It's, it's very soft. So I think get ready for the media, and a lot of people to go, Lions, wow, Detroit. And again, we love this for Detroit. We love this for the team. This is great. Yep. You know, you're, you're a Giants fan. You've you've seen a lot of losses over the years. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Before 2017, you know, if you want to go back, before 2013, it, it was a lot of losses. And even in, during 2013 with Alex Smith and all those seasons, a lot of playoff chokes, a lot of never being quite good enough, never giving getting over that hump there wasn't even a hump to get over for the lions and they absolutely bulldozed whatever that hump was. And they completely skipped a couple of parts of, of, of rebuilding and trying to win games. And now they've kind of just been launched up into this, uh, upper tier of the NFC that however might be pretty weak. They're still in and I'm still going to keep them there. But that makes me think about this NFC as a whole, Alex, honestly, is it even, there's no other team. There's no other team other than the Eagles and the Niners. Like, You can't tell me any other team right now is making the NFC Championship game is beating them in a road playoff game. I I I won't buy it.
1: No, no. I mean, because if you look at it too for the NFC just going through it, uh, like you said, you got the Eagles and Niners up top, and then it's it's just you know Lions five and two, Seahawks four and two, Cowboys four and two, and all those teams. You think okay, they're good teams. But would you put them in that category, Super Bowl contender? No, I, I really wouldn't. They haven't shown that or proven that to us, really, at any point this season. And, and you right there mentioned the schedule for the Lions, and we talked about the Vikings schedule earlier. I mean, those are weak schedules. Those teams are, you know, could have you know good records going into the postseason. But when you when you look at their body of work, by that time comes, it, it's going to be a light load that they had to to wager through, through or you know the, they had to to go through throughout the season so you know as a giants fan i'm a little jealous because the giants have one of the the hardest schedules in the league um you know i wish i could turn it around like the i wish they could turn it around like the vikings could and i wish they could be like the lions who get exposed here against the ravens and go oh okay well we'll, we'll be fine these next 3 games that we have are very winnable and they're going to be just fine. Um. So, for me, the NFC, again, just going through, the Niners have their division locked up easy. Seahawks probably, I think they can come out of there a wild card. All right, you look at the NFC North, it's going to be Lions-Vikings. They're going to contend to see who wins. One of those teams will be the wild card. All right, NFC South, gosh, the the NFC South is <laughs> always. It's, it's just a – Whoever's going to finish with ten wins will win the division between oh, the Bucks, God. the Saints, the Falcons. I think the Panthers. We we've already crossed off, so we can mark them out of it.
0: Did you say ten? Did you say ten wins? Yeah. Oh, I don't first I, to ten. I think I think even eight or nine, my guy. True. I think it might be eight or nine. It, you're right. It could be ten, but I don't know. I have not liked what I've seen from any of those teams right now.
1: I I liked the Bucks. The first three weeks of the season, yep, same. they have gone back to being what the Bucs were supposed to be. Going it, you know, preseason. The Saints' defense looked incredible first few weeks. Derek Carr has proven why the Raiders <laughs> decided to get, to move on from that experiment. Had a good fourth quarter. And, Had a good fourth quarter. And then Arthur Smith, I cannot trust him. I just I just can't trust the Falcons every week. I don't know what I'm going to get. They have so many offensive options, and I just don't know what's going to happen. And, and, and then agree. you look at the NFC East. Eagles have that pretty much locked up, I feel like. Cowboys are going to finish in second. And then we got the Giants and the, and the Commanders that are just going to battle it out. To who finishes in last in that division, and you know Giants too. It's not going to help either when you got quarterback controversy and whether Tyrod Taylor, thirty-two mm. year, you know thirty-two year old Tyrod Taylor should be starting over the guy that you just wow. signed to a long-term four-year deal. Oh, so you're there. It's happening. The Tyrod no, Taylor. No, 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 no. I look. I'm not. I'm not oh, there. Okay. I'm not okay. there. Okay. okay. Okay, but when Daniel Jones comes back, I I think you gotta look at it. You you <laughs> gotta give you gotta give them a few. You gotta give them about four. Give him a month's work and see if your offense takes such a decline in terms of. Uh, I mean, look, they still only put up 14 points on the Commanders. The offense is gonna suck. Like the offensive line is not going to change. But when you look at the last two weeks against the Bills and the Commanders. It hasn't been terrible. It hasn't. They've been able to move the ball at the very least. They have. They've been able to use Darren Waller. So things are changing Finally. in a positive direction. And, you know, this week, Brian Dable was in on the offensive meetings and more in the play calling for the offense and, and more into the game plan for the offense going into it. And you saw after the game, you know, guys um, in the locker room giving compliments of how – it felt to have Dable in that room and giving his input and, you know, being more involved on it instead of leaving it up to Mike Kafka. So th- that's a good sign. And that's what I want to say is the reason why for this offensive turnaround or at least competence that they've had the last two weeks with it. So that that's what I'm hoping is the reason. And once Daniel Jones gets back, you know, hopefully they're able to right the ship to where they're actually able to score touchdowns in the first half.
0: I mean, yeah, and, and you mentioned the offense. Obviously, the defense, that past two weeks too, Alex. It's been it's up.
1: been incredible. It's been I incredible.
0: Mean, yeah, it's, it's starting to click. I don't know how. I don't know why. But you guys are not complete dumpster fire anymore. The NFL is so weird, and it makes everyone look so stupid from week to week. And I love it for that exact reason. Who's played better this season? Terod Taylor, Daniel Jones. Not even a question, right? It's Terod Taylor.
1: Yes. Okay,
0: just making sure. I'm still on the Daniel Jones train as well right now for who should be starting. But you're right. Let's see Daniel Jones come back Back. and then it'll be a discussion. It'll be a discussion. How
1: how bad is it going to look? God, man. If he, like if the offense just goes back to looking as bad as it's been when he gets back. Oh no. The fans are going to (laughs) riot. It's going to be. (laughs) And like, and, and you know, I was listening today to, look to radio show and talking about the Giants like last year and we've talked about it on the pod last year they weren't expecting to have the kind of year that they had last year at all that wasn't the plan at all first year of Dable first year of Joe Shane like that wasn't expect to be to happen because they were supposed to be rebuilding and so I think because of last year the expectations going into this year were very much the same and the talent is just not there. You had guys that outperformed their actual talent level last year. And they went into this year thinking, oh, okay, hopefully he keep keep up that same level. And that is not the case. There were holes clearly that were there. And the reason why they had to bring in Dable and Shane. And now this year it's getting exposed. And people just – Giants fans – like. Especially New York ones that are just die hard and don't see reality, it is hard for them to accept that. And especially when Daniel Jones the question marks all throughout since he got drafted has been if this guy's gonna cut it. And the fact that this year they had this offseason they had no choice but to give him his bag. If he ends up not panning you out You did have a
0: choice, you did have a choice. Don't say that. You did have a choice, don't say that. You did have a choice. choice what was the franchise choice? tag franchise tag franchise tag that was the choice True. Alex yep sure there we go okay True. let's go over to a list that the Giants are on and that's <laughs> I'm so sorry that was so mean let's go over to a... uh yeah let's see. I
1: mean it's irony, I crossed but... <laughs> them off last week it can't it can't get any worse than this
0: <laughs> and now they've won two games oh man okay uh Let's let's do some power rankings. You know, we've we've had seven weeks. It's time to start doing some power rankings. We have enough, uh, you know, data to start really thinking about these teams, uh, as far as you know, who's going to make the playoffs, wild card burst, and just like stacking them up against each other. you know, over conference, who are the best teams in the league? And I say we just go one by one, looking at this, looking at our lists on our doc here, Alex. Honestly, I guess I'm not shocked that we. Have a lot of the same teams, just the order very, very similar, and we're nine for ten on as far as just these same teams in here. So I'm excited to see these power rankings over the next few weeks and how different they get. Um, but let's just start. We've got the same top two teams. I think right now it's pretty consensus um, that if you want to say Eagles are number one, that's fine. You're wrong. Uh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I
1: debated it. I, I uh, well, you made the right choice there, Bud, because then we would have. Yeah, had to yeah a team I'm, team. I'm just. I'm just going off of the fact that I feel like the Chiefs have played better, wholesome, through through so far this season compared to the Eagles. Because a lot of the time, like we've had multiple episodes where we've talked about how the Eagles, like, they just we were confused by them, right? With all the talent that they have, they haven't played to that level. So for me, I just feel like the Chiefs have hit that that level, hit what's expected of them for all the talent that they have compared to the Eagles even yeah. though I like the Eagles overall talent better and especially with the Kevin Byard addition I was tempted to to put them up but let me see Kevin Byard in action first
0: exactly let's see Kevin Byard that's how power rankings work gotta see it um no doubt they could easily rise up to that number one spot and yeah you mentioned it obviously the Eagles when we ask those questions it's 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 weirder because it's like wait we weren't supposed to be asking these questions and then with the Chiefs it's like well, we've been asking this for three months, right? You know, who are they going to throw to? And, and then they go out there and they struggle throwing the ball for a little bit. It's like, yeah, well, they're still winning the games and it's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. They figure it out. And the past couple of weeks, it's looked like they've started to figure it out. Let's go to number three. We've got a little bit different here. I, I went um, with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, we talked about Lamar, one of the best quarterbacks right now, uh, playing in the league. Um, and uh, the defense on all three levels is starting to look like what we thought it would be absolutely nasty what do you got Alex number three
1: yeah I went with 49ers yeah I
0: am
1: still I, I'm I'm not ready to put Baltimore over them just yet just yet I I think I think looking off the London game last week um you know against the Titans I I wasn't convinced you know to see Baltimore put up the points they put up against the Lions, that that's what I didn't expect because we haven't seen that from Baltimore in terms of them having, you know, you know, a free flowing and, and just um dynamic offense. Like to see them do that this week against the Lions was surprising. And I feel like the 49ers we've seen more of a body of work with that this season compared to the Ravens. So that's offensively, that's the edge that I gave to the 49ers and why I put them above Baltimore.
0: No, that's totally fair. Uh, I think the 49ers being three is, is completely understandable. I'm just taking these last two weeks and I'm going to get the Ravens with that resounding win. Uh, yeah. The lead on this week's power rankings for that reason. I'm um, just, they dominated what was a, a good team in the lions dominated them embarrassed. Um, and we'll see if it was exposed. You know, that's the big key, key difference there. Let's see if it was exposed. You're just uh, embarrassed. Uh, number five, I went with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We haven't talked enough about this team and, we need to, you know, next week, let's make sure. I don't know what their schedule is. I don't know who they play, um, but I, I want to get them in just in general because we need to talk about them. They have been absolutely – oh, they played the Steelers. Um, so that will actually be a fun game to talk about anyways at Pittsburgh. Um, then they got the Niners. Wow. Yeah, no, we need to talk about the Jags, man. They've been absolutely rolling. They with After what was a slow start, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne killing it, Christian Kirk, I mean, they are proving – now 2 years in a row that that you know kind of insane money that they paid him wasn't quite that insane and uh, even though Calvin Ridley is starting off slow i mean this this team's just clicking man they have a loss to the chiefs and they have a, what was a bad loss to the texans week 2 and week 3 since then four really good wins in a row i'm liking them a lot liking them a lot
1: yep the defense is playing really well for them as well um, you know questions about offensive line going in but that like it's it's not affected them in the last four weeks when it comes to churning out offense um and it with as many weapons as they have too it it hasn't hurt them one bit um so the jags are a sneaky team and mac let's remember let's remember when we did we did our playoff predictions i had them as a three seed that's all i'm gonna say
0: oh, i know you did i know you did and <sighs>
1: Ahead of the There's, Chiefs, I might add.
0: Yeah, which, nah. You want to brag about that one, or you, you gonna soften that a little bit? Yeah, I, a lot I, of season I, left, Mac. A Lot okay. of season left. Yeah, keep keep that dream alive, buddy. Uh, no, but you—if you were gonna make an argument for an AFC team who was gonna beat out the Chiefs for the number one seed, you know, you'd think about just as far as the best AFC teams. Yeah, the Ravens might come up, but if you look at schedule and division, Jack's team has an argument, man. You look at the schedule, yeah, they've got to play the Niners. But other than that, they've got, you know, Steelers, Titans, Texans, you know, they're going to play the Bengals at home. They've got the Browns, uh, they've got the Ravens at home, Uh, Bucks, Panthers, Titans again, Uh, you know, it's a couple, you know, uh, nice teams, uh, you know, one or two elite teams maybe sprinkled in there, but they get that, the the ones you want at home at home and Ravens division much tougher, Uh, their schedule going to be tougher. Uh, so this is a Jags team that's rolling right now. And Trevor Lawrence is a guy that I thought was going to be an MVP candidate, not not the winner, but I thought he was going to be top five in voting. Um, he's starting to now up uh, his notoriety as far as that list is concerned. And who I had for number six is you for you, who you had for number five. We just flip-flop here. You had Dolphins, Jags. I had Jags, Dolphins. So your number five team uh, was Miami. And, and that's, a, mm-hmm. again, completely fair.
1: Yeah, I, I- Again, it's just one of those situations where, just overall, watching these teams so far this season. You know, I'm not, I'm not basing it just off of last week's performance and ranking it on that. I'm I'm looking overall, and i just like the Dolphins overall compared to the Jags. Because I again, I had, you know, we'll see this week this week when they play the Steelers, and then that 49ers game next week, where those are are, are real tests for the Jags. Because I feel like they haven't. They haven't really had that yet. Um, You know, they did win against Buffalo in London. They beat the Bills, in yeah. London, in, yeah.
0: In London. In London, weird game. Because yeah.
1: the Dolphins have not done that. They did not beat the Bills in Buffalo. So you have to give credit to the Jags on that. Um, But still, I, it's just part of me overall, I, I just like the Dolphins a little bit more.
0: I get that. I think when the going gets tough against those uh, elite defenses in close, you know, games with a, a lot of writing uh, – On, I'm going to trust Trevor Lawrence over Tua, and I think that's a big part of this. And obviously maybe not a big part of of, of a week seven power rankings, but just looking at future, I think uh, the Jags have that edge over there at the quarterback position. Number seven, we both have Lions. um, We've talked about this Lions team. Uh, I don't think we're both either super worried about this Lions team. We're really excited for them, but I think the stakes are low. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year. Um, I don't think they're making the NFC championship this year. I think it's going to be really fun to see them try and win their division. And what I think is going to end up being a close race between, uh, Minnesota and Detroit. And I haven't checked on FanDuel, whatever Minnesota's odds to win that division are, it's going to be nice value right now. You might as well go hit that up. Um, yep. but a team that I want to talk about, Alex, number eight, who we both had number eight here, uh, and the, in the Buffalo bills talk about a worry meter. Where are you at on worry meter with the Buffalo bills right now? Losing to the New England Patriots, a team that we were talking about maybe being the worst team in football, lost their p- two best defensive players in Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon. The offense hasn't been able to gain. A, I've been able to buy a yard. I mean, what
1: do you, what do you think right now? I'd, I'd, i put myself at a four or five. I, I mean, the, the two, when you look at it, like you can't forget the week one loss that they had against the jets. Yep. and, For all the momentum that would have been on their side after the Aaron Rodgers injury and to lose that game week one, you know we we saw week two. It looked like oh okay they turned it around right they they're fine. You know they got a nice matchup against the Raiders and everything was good. And you know they win a game against the Dolphins and then just the last two weeks for them to go out to London they lose a a close one to the Jags. You know those those Europe games, they're tough to call, right? You you can you can be better than that opponent, but overall, the jet lag, that the travel, the playing on that turf, it's different, right? So Very. it's a you know losing that, it's it's whatever. But now I'm cons- when you you go into New England and play a Patriots team that is getting just killed every week. We talk about how they are one of the worst teams in football. You know, questions all week about is Bill palachek going to get fired? Is he going to yeah. be able to dictate when he, you know, leaves? And and just all the drama that's going on within the Patriots because of how bad they've looked and how bad Mac Jones has looked, whether he, he's going to continue to start for them. And to lose that game to them, sheesh, man, it, it, it has me, like, uh, again, I'm at that five with the Bills, where it's like, what are we doing? Like, How can we get up and play the Dolphins well at home, but we can't go into Foxborough and take care of business against a Patriots team that literally has no momentum going into that game?
0: Haven't had a good first quarter offensively really yet, besides that Miami game. That was a shootout from the get-go. They have not been able to start a game well offensively the whole Year, uh, and that's got to change. Thursday night football at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here coming up. Again, we're recording this on Tuesday, so two days from now, you've got it. Uh, this is a Buck team that hasn't been in, uh, led one minute their past you know three games. The Bucs have not led one minute. Uh, the Bills need to come out and have a defiant, resounding, you know, league-wide, you know, win of like, hey, we're back. It's okay. Right now, I'm at a six. I'm worried about this team, officially. The injuries, uh, the offense, they don't have that slot receiver that I've liked uh, for them in the past. You know, they, they had Cole Beasley for a couple of years. Isaiah McKenzie uh, was a nice addition there for a minute. They don't have anyone like that right now, and I think they're missing a couple pieces. And the offensive line, it's not like they're elite. Again, the defense, it is what it is. If you lose two or your three best players, I think you're gonna ha- there, there's going to be a big effect. I'm officially really worried about the Buffalo Bills.
1: I think that they, instead of going for a Dalton Kincaid that they went for in the first round, I think they should have gone for a wide receiver. Yeah. Like, why are you Why are you doubling up on tight end? Dawson Knox is doing an okay job for you at tight end.
0: Unless you think, and, and Dalton Kincaid just had his, you know, if you want to call it breakout game. He had five or six catches, 60, 70 yards, something like that. It was a nice game for Dalton Kincaid. He started to look a little more natural and comfortable on the field. But unless you think he's Travis Kelsey year one or you know it, you know somewhere in that range, like coming in and beat you know Sam Laporta, uh, for instance this season. But even then, you look at the guys, Addison and Zay Flowers and these sorts of guys, and you go, eh, man, it just would have been not, it would have been better. And you've got the guy in Stefan Diggs who's attracting the number one quarter and, and, and gonna get shaded and doubled, and would have had that, you know, space for a nice slot guy, which is what this draft had full of was quick. Small guys, and that's what they needed. And I think they missed. I'm not saying they missed as far as Kincaid the player, just as far as their team needs. I think they missed the season with that pick.
1: Agree, agree. I like. I don't think Kincaid has been a bad player whatsoever. It's just like you said, the team need. It should have been more at wide receiver. I mean, because Gabe Davis is all he's good for is a touchdown for you. Like as as far as him racking up yards and racking up receptions, like he doesn't have that in him. He's just a great target to have in the red zone or on a deep ball. That deep that's ball. what he's yeah. good for.
0: Yep. Yeah, his touchdowns are either, you know, a forty yard breakaway bomb or back of the end zone, he's six foot five and Josh Allen throws it hundred miles an hour up in his hands above the corner. Mm-hmm. Those, those are pretty much, you know, his plays. He's a Walmart Mike Williams. You know, he's a a, a Dollar Tree Mike Williams. That's that's what he is. Um, and he's a number three. He's not a number two, and, and they need that badly right now. They do, and I and I like James Cook. I do. I think I think they've done a couple of really good things here, but all that in addition to those massive injuries on the defensive side, I don't know how long the Bills are in this top ten. Again, they have got a, a really winnable game Thursday night football against the Bucks at home. Next week, Sunday night football at Cincinnati, and then. They've got another primetime game at home against the Bills. Or, excuse me, against the Broncos. So two of their next three games, you know, against a little bit better opponents, really just one. I'm not going to count the Bucks. I guess. One of their next three opponents. They should win two of their next three games at least and make that at Cincinnati game uh, competitive. Competitive. So we'll see, man. Uh, We'll see. I'm really curious to to see where they go. And and if this season doesn't go well, I mean – you're talking about Sean McDermott. He, his seat was hot to start last year. He could be gone. Uh, questions oh, about he's, Josh. He's Allen. gonna be gone. Yep, he's gonna be gone. You're right. Uh, questions about Josh Allen. We already started to ask them last season. Maybe not me. Um, it, definitely not me. Just to be clear, uh, but a lot of people did. And those questions are going to mm-hmm. start getting louder. Um, so they've got they've got a lot of pressure. This is this is one of the teams with the most pressure in the league. That they, they need to respond. They need to answer the bell right now. Number 10, who do you have?
1: All right, so this, this is where we differ, right? Because we had Cowboys both at 9. Yep. At 10, I went with Seattle Seahawks. All right, we were just talking about how the NFC is is fairly weak. Apart from those, those top-tier teams and, and the 49ers and the Eagles, all right, we'll put the Lions, Vikings, and... Cowboys as those, you know, outsiders looking in, right? I think you could put the Seahawks right there with them. You know, the the Seahawks offense, you got Kenneth Walker, who has been just great, great pick by the, the Seahawks in the second round last year. I mean, he has been a workhorse back for them and rushing the ball really efficiently for them out of that backfield. And they've got weapons for Geno Smith to work with. DK Metcalf when he's healthy. Tyler Lockett when he's healthy. Jackson Smith and Jigba got his first touchdown this week. They've got a plethora of options, and they just need Geno to do what the Lions need of golf and to do what the 49ers need of Purdy, and that's just to not turn the ball over and just be that game manager. And I think Geno can do that. Um, You know, we saw it last year. So I I like this offense a lot, and the defense. You know, Seattle's always been known for having a good defense. Last year they weren't weren't great, but I think this year it's it, they're capable, right? You got Jamal Williams who came back um, a couple weeks ago. You know he's 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 playing well to start to start his season. All right, we've talked about on this pod uh, Devon Witherspoon who has been Ooh. an absolute stud at corner. So a lockdown around. corner for them yes. yes him and him and Deontay Banks two corners taken out of the draft this year that had been unbelievable to watch and just how quickly they've adjusted to the NFL game and become lockdown guys um so I I, I like pieces that they have on this defense to where again in, in a weak NFC and and just with their schedule I think that they're gonna be a decent team and I especially too, when you look at, you know, you went with the Steelers, a team that I thought about that I ultimately left on the outside looking in was the Browns. Like those, those teams are all, all three of those teams are gritty teams, right? So it's a matter of, of how you feel about those. And I think just with the Browns, the, the, (laughs) the quarterback play has been so bad for them that I just couldn't put them there at number 10. And, Ultimately, the Steelers' offense has been bad and inconsistent and stalled a lot, a lot at a lot of times. To where, even though as great as their defense has been, I just ultimately I like Seattle as a whole so far this season compared to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm going to
0: take the defense. That's that's kind of where I lean. I'm I'm going to take that just elite steel curtain right now, which it really has been. TJ Watt on another level. And the offense when it's bad to, you know, clocks ticking down, they need to score, all of a sudden it just starts working. This no huddle, Kenny Pickett just muting Matt Canada in his helmet, throwing where he needs to, saying, you know what? Fuck it, George Pickens is down there somewhere. It started to happen. And I'm gonna I'm not buying into Steelers offense being real or whatever, but there's a world where we're, you know, a month down the line. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin may have not fired Matt Canada, but he, you know, quietly lessened his role. And that offense is starting to, to click a little bit more. The defense has already done that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to take that side of it, really. I've seen some flashes from the offense, and I love that defense, um, where I've seen Seahawks look bad on both sides of the ball. And I've also seen them look surprisingly, you know, like you've mentioned, and you, you went through some highlight players, have looked pretty uh, decent. On both sides of the ball, but overall, I'm going to take that consistency on defense with the flashes on offense with Pittsburgh, it, but I don't mind the Seattle pick.
1: Pittsburgh, too. We've t- like we talked about earlier with the Ravens, like that's a tough division too that they're in the midst of. I mean, same thing with the Browns. I talked about outside looking in, like that division kind of scares you away too because you know if you don't win your games in that division, it could derail the rest of your season because you have to you have to fi- you know finish out your At least five hundred, you know, going against your divisional opponents with how tough that division is.
0: Mission weapons for the Seahawks. Jake Bobo, undrafted free agent. Oh yes. Went to UCLA, starting to, you know, make his rise in the ranks over there in Seattle. Two catches and forty three yards a couple of weeks ago, four catches, sixty one yards just a couple of days ago, along with a touchdown. Bobo's fun. They they may have found a, a guy there, six foot four, two hundred and ten pounds, Jake Bobo, uh, undrafted, and uh, I'm liking it, man. Uh, add another one on for Geno Smith to sling it around with. You know that's what the, he likes to do. And uh, he's he's
1: made unreal catches too, Mac. I mean, on un, yes. there was there was a touchdown he caught in the in back corner of the end zone. It ended up being an incompletion because he didn't get two feet down, but just. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The way in which he had to contort his body to even catch it. It, it was um, – and I know, too, when they played the Bengals was it last week or two weeks ago, yep. he mossed the dude on the Bengals as well. Jake Bobo is fun. If you have not seen him yet this season, you've got to tune in and watch.
0: And if you just turn the volume up at all, you'll know because it will just be like, Bobo, Bobo with a catch. And you would be like, <laughs> Bobo, what's going on? And then you got to Google him, and then this is where you go down the rabbit holes that Alex and I already obviously did. Uh, Okay, real quick, Alex, cross-off list. Uh, Give me who we got right now. Basically, we're doing a point system. Uh, You gain a point each week if you cross someone off that someone else didn't until they do cross uh, said team off if they end up not making the playoffs because that's what we're doing. We're getting rid of uh, uh, teams that we don't think are going to make the playoffs. Uh, Who have we gotten rid of so far, and which weeks did we do it in, Alex?
1: Yep. So uh, week two is when we started off. Um, So, week two, you went with Broncos, Bears, Cardinals. I went with Panthers, Bears, Cardinals. Um, So, Bears, Cardinals equal out. Um, No one getting any sort of points off of them um, when they do eventually get eliminated. Uh, But, again, Panthers, I had week two. You had Broncos, week two. Week three, uh, you went with the Raiders. I went with the Patriots. All right? So, then, we had not had any picks, again, until last week, week seven, where you went with the Patriots and and Panthers. So that will give me a one, two, three, four, mm, nice. five. <laughs> a five point edge on the Panthers pick and a three point or a four point edge on the Patriots pick. Um and with me, I went with the Broncos and the Giants last week. Um so with the Broncos pick, again, you've got a four point edge on that pick, and the Giants, no one has picked yet. Okay.
0: Uh, just for it, just for you know context here too, we started this and we kind of just kept the cardinals out of this. Uh, I think we can just you know both cross them off. Let's just let's just say that we did that already. Yeah, cardinals. Was, cardinals cardinals and, and bears. Cardinals and bears. They're crossed off. Okay, forget it. Uh, who are you crossing off this week though? Because now we're getting a little more interesting here.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to stick in the NFC East. I'm, I'm going to cross off the Commanders.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. So you've got Commanders and Giants crossed off. So you've got those two teams making the playoffs. You've got the Lions who are going to make the playoffs. We mentioned the Seahawks and Niners. So there are five teams, the NFC South division, that's six teams. So you've got one more team that needs to make the playoffs in the NFC. And it could be, Another team, technically, it could be another team in the NFC North. You know, there's a world where the Lions and Vikings both sneak into the playoffs somehow. So, just trying to think th- through where you're going with the NFC as far as the picture is concerned. But that, that that's fair. I think that's that's starting to get hot, and this is what's fun about the crossoff list. Like E.B. Sam, Howell, that grit. I know they just lost you
1: guys, but i, I you're probably right. But I, I'm I'm biased. I, they've been talked here, about a sellers too, Mac. They they've been talked about as sellers. So who knows? You know, come next week, what moves we will have made. I, I mean, you look at Jonathan Allen and his post game press conference. I mean, he's sick and tired of losing with that team. Like, I mean, they have been a laughing stock for a good, a good few years now. And you know, Ron Rivera's on the hot seat. Eric Bienemy is already on the hot seat too. Like, it's just. That team is, is a disaster, and I just don't see how they, they can t- drastically turn it around.
0: Okay, my pick, it pains me to do this because uh, I, I cover them regularly as I live uh, in their city. I've looked at the schedule. I've looked at the division. I've tried to make this make sense in my head, and it just doesn't. I don't see a path right now in this stacked AFC with a lead that they're, uh, the Jags have built, I've got to cross off the two-tone blue and the Tennessee Titans. I've got to do it. Two and four, they just got rid of Kevin Byard. They now you know, announced to the league they're selling. They've got a week to do a little bit more with that and get rid of some more assets. Titans are done.
1: Smart. It's a good pick. It's a good pick.
0: I hate doing it. I had them winning this division. I thought the talent was there. I still deep down think there is that with the defense. They've had a couple of flashes with the weapons, but I knew the the roadblock to that happening was the offensive line. And even with me knowing that, I underestimated how piss poor this offensive line was. Um, Andre Dillard though out at tackle for the Titans. Mike Rabel finally making that statement, so he is gone. They're going a different direction. So that's that's at least you know you can't get worse than Dillard. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, Titans done.
1: Mac, we've grown up with the Titans every which way, finding a way to find eight, to go eight and eight, and just just creeping <laughs> into to the playoff. So I'm not I'm not ready to rule them out just yet. I because get it. There, I get it. There are some weeks where you're just like. What the the Titans looked really good this week and won, and they their defense like is again Kevin Byard is going to be a big hole to fill, and I don't know how like how their defense is going to look post Kevin Byard because of how much of a leader he was and a presence he was on that defense, but they still got Jeffrey Simmons up front. Like I I feel like just with Vrabel he's going to find a way to get them to compete. I'm just not ready just yet to rule them out. But we'll I, see. Understand, I understand.
0: Awesome. I understand, and I go back to twenty nineteen. Uh, you know, they were two and four. They have this same exact week seven bye. They come out and they make the AFC Championship game. Uh, the big catalyst to that move and to that run, that surge, was the switch at quarterback, sitting Mariota and putting in Ryan Tannehill. They don't have that right now. They don't have that yep. option. Will Levis and Malik Willis aren't ready to lift that team up, um, like they would need to. By the way, with this O line, they'd need to really make some some miraculous plays because uh, you just don't have four seconds, three seconds, two seconds in a clean pocket uh, under this Titans offensive line. But you're right. You look at the defense, dude, it's stacked. Aziz Shahir's great. Uh, Tierra Tarts great. Harold Landry's awesome. Uh, Arden Key's great. You mentioned Big Jeff. They they There are some names. McCreary's okay in the slot. But not enough to overcome uh, the schedule. But with that said, they're home against Atlanta. They're winning this week. I'm crossing off, but they are winning this week. They're beating the Falcons at home. Book that.
1: Well, Mac, if they if they need a quarterback, they could always go get Tyrod Taylor.
0: <laughs> Dude, they could. Would you guys get rid? Would you guys sell him? Probably not. Probably not. No, I don't think you would. That's the thing. That's the thing. There are some other guys they could get, but not like Tyrod Taylor. You're right, not like Tyrod Taylor. Really quickly, you'd start to go to names like Robert Griffin III, and you're starting like, eh, okay, no, I'll just okay. keep Malik. <laughs> yeah, okay, no, I'll just, I'll just go Malik. Forget it. I don't really want to anymore. Or like Cam Newton, you're like, okay, forget it. Just see what we have here. It's bleak. I feel bad. Sorry, Titans fans. I'm, I'm still rooting for you guys, but I, I had hope, and hope is lost and hope will now be uh, transferred over to next year, and hopefully Rand Carthen uh, can get some assets, get some get some uh, any sort of trade capital, which he's obviously already started to try and do. Uh, no NBA pod yet. We had some scheduling conflicts, guys, so we are going to get that out um, as we end here. Don't worry. We're going to get an NBA pod out, even though the season is starting tonight, and I'm looking here happily on my phone as I see the Lakers uh, uh, got completely just owned by the Denver Nuggets, which is great. Uh, We don't like the Lakers on this podcast, Uh, so that's awesome.
1: Some of us don't.
0: Oh, really? You like the Lakers, Alex? Come on. Uh,
1: I mean, I I don't like the Lakers, but I don't hate them. Being that you are the Celtics fan, I mean, that's to be expected. You despise them. All right, guys, I got to go drive to Memphis
0: now and, and, and beat Alex's ass for saying that he's even remotely okay with the Lakers' presence in this league. Uh, Thanks for listening to you guys. We'll be back later this week with an NBA pod. And we will, uh, of course, be back again after what is going to be an exciting week eight NFL season. No buys next week, folks. We have a lot of games. A full slate on at noon, three o'clock, and a bunch of nice primetime games. Get ready for it. And, of course, on Wednesday, tune in to the Behind the Box Score podcast. Thanks so much for listening to you guys. See you all later.